0: Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung. We're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Tonight we're going to get together with the people who are always listening to our broadcast... It's the VCY Rally. It's a network that covers us throughout not only Wisconsin, but across the entire country. So we're thrilled to be able to be here to join with the VCY Radio Rally. Now, we were scheduled to go into the convention hall However, because of the coronavirus, Brookside Baptist Church said they would take us. They are prepared for the coronavirus situation, and we're so thrilled that we'll be able to have the meeting. The doors open at 5 o'clock. Meeting begins at 6 p.m. That's the Brookside Baptist Church in Milwaukee. If you need more information, go to the website of VCY America. And that address is vcyamerica.org. Looking forward to being able to stand face to face and then study the prophetic word of God with you who listen to the broadcast on a daily basis here in this part of the world. Right now, we're going to go to our first of six broadcast partners. These men have details behind the headlines that you have either been listening to or reading about. And we want to get their insight because no other mainstream media has the capability nor the understanding of how to go into the details as we do. And our first broadcast partner is Ken Timmerman. We find him on the road traveling. He's up in the Maryland area. I think he's going to be doing something for the president, but we're so glad we could get a hold of him. Ken, thank you for being available. And since you're in the Washington, D.C. area, not too very far away, That event that took place on Tuesday at the White House, the Arab Accords being signed, boy, they were a real game changer, were they not?
1: Oh, Jimmy, this was just a phenomenal event. It was good for America. It was good for Israel. It was good for the Arab world, and it is good for world peace. This was something that just three years ago, John Kerry, the former Secretary of State, said was absolutely... Absolutely impossible. And he warned President Trump as he was coming into office against trying to negotiate a what he called a separate peace between Israel and its Arab neighbors. He said there could not be any separate peace. Uh, there had to be peace, first of all, with the Palestinians, which would then become a comprehensive peace with all of Israel's neighbors. Just shows you how wrong the experts the so-called experts uh, have been John Kerry certainly considered himself an expert the people who advised Kerry and the Obama administration considered themselves experts but uh, you know i had a i had a funny uh, thing happen this week i was doing another show down in florida and one of our listeners uh, called in he said you know i've been listening to you on prophecy today with Jimmy Dean since dinosaurs roamed the earth and i said yeah that sounds about right and uh, he said, but I've never heard you be dogmatic before. Normally, you're kind of more uh, uh, even-handed, but you were dogmatic in talking about this Middle East peace deal. And uh, I think what he was referring to were comments that I made last week about the Palestinians being completely left out, uh, the Palestinians ever missing an opportunity to miss an opportunity. And I'm going to double down on those comments. Uh, the Palestinians this week, as, as we speak right now, Following this peace accord, uh, Hamas and the PLO and all 14 factions of the Palestinian national movement have gotten together under the auspices of the Russians to figure out what they can do to oppose this agreement. So I'm going to be dogmatic and double down on this uh, and say that the Palestinians have lost out big time through their own moral bankruptcy.
0: Very interesting comment from another Democrat. This man, a leader in several administrations, I'm talking about Leon Panetta. In fact, he was the chief of staff at the White House, I do believe, for a while. But you know what he said? This is what courage looks like in the Middle East. I thought that was a great comment.
1: Well, you know, I've I've always liked Leon Panetta for his uh, better moments, uh, because when he sort of listens to a even-handed side of his own personality, He's willing to give even his political adversaries credit for what they have done. And today, there are very few people in the Democrat Party who do that any longer. You won't hear that from Kamala Harris. You won't even hear it from Joe Biden. Ten years ago, you might have, but you won't hear it today because they're all beholden to the hard left of the party. So Leon Panetta has done, I think, written a very honorable uh, commentary, essentially applauding not just President Trump, you know, that he did backhanded, but he applauded the leaders of Israel and the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain and others to come for their political courage, for their vision, for their ability to look to the future of their peoples, and to do something that takes real courage, because they're being threatened by Iran and by the Palestinians across the board, and they're being threatened with terror attacks. They're being, being threatened with assassination. So this took not just political courage, this took personal, physical courage as well, and me and Panetta saluted them, and I salute Leon Panetta for saying that.
0: I would agree with that as well, Ken. You know, you were mentioning that the Palestinians are upset about these peace agreements. The Iranians are too, and an Iranian-backed Islamist group is calling for jihad, actually, holy war, against these Middle Eastern peace agreements and the participants. What do we know?
1: Well, and, and we can expect more of this. Iran will try to do what Saddam Hussein did back in the early 1970s when Egypt had uh, signed a peace agreement with Israel. And he created something called the Front of Steadfastness uh, with Muammar Gaddafi, with the Assad of, of uh, uh, Syria, just the same, those names are all familiar, aren't they? And they all got together with the hardline Palestinians. Uh, in that case, it was all the Palestinian movement to uh, sabotage the Egyptian agreements, which were which were coming coming forward with Israel. They were being pre shadowed after the uh, Six Day War, and today we see the same thing. Only it is Iran leading this front of steadfastness. It's the Iranians who want to sabotage uh, the peace agreement, and they're getting the Palestinians together. They're they're calling together Lebanese Hezbollah. Uh, they're calling together the Ketaeb Hezbollah. That's the Iraqi Shiite militia that is beholden to the Iranians. Uh, by the way, leaderless since the United States dropped a bomb from a drone on Qasem Soleimani, the head of the Quds force, uh, at New Year's of this year. Uh, so the Iranians are calling together all of these uh, terror groups of the Islamic world who oppose the peace agreement. And as I say, we're going to be hearing more of this in the weeks to come. I do not think, and this is my own judgment, as I people I talk to uh, inside Iran among the Iranian opposition, I do not think that the Iranians will risk a major attack against a U.S. target between now and Election Day. And I say that because while the Iranians have made it very, very clear they want to see Joe Biden uh, win the presidency, one of my Iranian uh, opposition contact said, you know, they have greater expectations from Joe Biden in Iran than they do from the 12th imam. But at the same time, they know that Biden is not going to win. And, uh, and they realize that, and they don't want to anger Donald Trump as he uh, uh, begins a second term.
0: You mentioned just a moment ago Russia, and when we're talking about the peace agreements, uh, the main personality focus is on President Donald Trump. However, Putin is, I think, pretty upset about this, and he's doing everything he can to make Russia indispensable in the Middle East. I don't know if he's going to succeed or not. What are your thoughts? Well,
1: he's been slowly creeping into that position since 2015. We have tracked him every step of the way on this program, Jimmy. Most people do not. The mainstream media does not. But since 2015, when Russia intervened in a major way, in the Syrian civil war, bringing in warplanes, setting up bases, putting troops on the ground and mercenaries on the ground. They have been moving their pieces on the Middle East chessboard. And it's not just Syria. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, we have seen Russian meetings with leaders in Beirut. They've been calling the uh, top factional leaders, Walid Jumblat, who's uh, uh, very influential among the Druze population. They've been calling the Shiite Uh, leaders and uh, the former prime minister, Saad Hariri, for consultations with top advisors to Putin. So the Russians want to play. They see a void in the region created by Donald Trump, who has repeatedly told Americans and the world that we are not going to get engaged in endless wars. We are going to end those endless wars and only defend America's interests, our strategic interests. And being in Syria is not America's strategic interest. Today, even being in Iraq is not in America's uh, strategic interest. Uh, The president recently announced the drawdown of 2,000 troops from Iraq, and I think uh, the rest of those troops are going to be coming home soon. And that will, it is true, that will open the door for greater Russian engagement. But you know, Jimmy, it is a double-edged sword. Um, As the Russians become more powerful militarily and more present militarily in the region, they will also become bigger targets in the region. So we could see things happening to the Russians and to Russian forces on the ground that in the past we thought could only happen to U.S. forces.
0: What about this headline, Beware of a Russian October Surprise in Syria? Anything you know?
1: Well, uh, the the Russians see us pulling back, and they may take this opportunity to uh, put the squeeze on the thousand or so troops u.s. troops left in the eastern northeastern syria near the oil fields to try to push them out or push them over the border into iraq i think that would be very unwise on putin's part but you never know he is a risk taker he's done it before so that would be an october surprise a russian military move to squeeze the remaining u.s. troops out of syria
0: we'll stay on top of this story Next time we get together with Ken Timmerman here on Prophecy Today. Ken, have a great weekend there in the Washington, D.C. area. Thank you so much for your report. We'll talk again next week.
1: Thanks so much, Jimmy. God bless and enjoy Milwaukee. Stay away from the rioters.
0: (laughs) I'll try to do that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have David Dolan at the broadcast table with his Middle East News Update. That's all I had right here on Prophecy Today.
2: How do you like your news?
0: I want to remind you that I have a five-hour audio series, which is on CD, entitled, The Feast of God. We look at the seven Jewish feasts given the Jewish people by God in the book of Leviticus, chapter 23. This is a very important study, because when you look at these seven feasts, you can see Jesus Christ, he fulfilled the first four feasts, the spring feast, and will fulfill the fall feast as well. This is a study that will assist you in understanding why the Jewish people are celebrating on an annual basis these Jewish feasts. Go to my prophecy bookstore, it's located on my website, prophecytoday.com, and there make your purchase of the Feast of God. Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central, not in Chattanooga, Tennessee, but instead in Temporary Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm here for the Saturday night VCY America Radio Rally. Looking forward to being able to have a opportunity face-to-face with those listeners to our daily five-minute broadcast. We'll be talking from the Word of God about the events happening in our world today. By the way, we were supposed to be at the City Convention Center, but because of the coronavirus pandemic here in Wisconsin, we have changed the venue to the Brookside Baptist Church. Doors open at five o'clock the rally will begin at 6 p.m. You need more information, go to the vcyamerica.org website. They have all the information that you need there. And if you're in this rally, area of listening, we would love to have you come study the prophetic word of God with us. Well, a part of our weekly hour and a half broadcast is a conversation with David Dolan, longtime journalist in the Middle East, on top of all the issues happening there. And with your experience in journalism, David, what do you think about the Middle East peace agreements signed at the White House this week?
3: Well, Jimmy, for me, it brought back uh, many memories since I was working for CBS Radio when the Oslo peace negotiations were going on, although it was taking place mostly in Europe, not in Israel, where I was based. But we were covering it and the reactions to it, and then, of course, the ceremonies that took place. And you and I were both at the ceremony where King Hussein, the late King Hussein of Jordan, signed a peace treaty with Israel in 1994. So uh, I immediately was thinking of those things and similar things. The trumpet sounding, that happened when President Clinton was prevailing over the signing of the Oslo Accords. Now, of course, that peace treaty completely fell apart, as we've talked about many times. The treaty with Jordan still in existence, but under great challenge. The treaty with Egypt still in existence, but sort of a cold one. But, Jimmy, just it was an exciting moment, and... uh, to see the leaders all together, to hear the remarks. Most of the remarks pretty mild, pretty tame, although, of course, the uh, two Arab representatives did uh, both mention that Israel had stopped annexation as a result of this plan, which is, of course, the most controversial part of it in Israel. Uh, Many on the right, especially the settlers in Judea and Samaria, uh, upset over that. But overall, um, it was a reminder that uh, things can go forward, and uh, the president uh, took the backward route. He went to the outlying Arab countries that secretly, not that secretly, it's pretty open, but that have been dealing with Israel over the past decade, really, mainly over the threat that Iran poses to all of them. So that was building, and that's the basis of this, but the president recognized that. And, you know, each piece is a good one. And a Palestinian minister, Jimmy, this week said that five more uh, Muslim countries or entities are preparing to uh, make peace formally with Israel, Sudan, and other countries on the Horn of Africa, that area in particular, and uh, that's what President Trump hinted at as well. So it looks like it's going to expand, and some of those, none of those are great powers, but they're large countries with a lot of Muslims in them, so it's a
0: step forward. David, do you think, in your knowledge of being in the Middle East for so many years, Do you think it's a possibility that these two new peace agreements with the UAE and Bahrain might revive a relationship there with the peace treaty between Israel and Jordan and Israel and Egypt? Is that a possibility at all?
3: It's a possibility, Jimmy. Actually, I think what it hinges on is what does Iran do and what does Turkey do? Because both countries, especially Iran, are threatening terrorism, attacks upon Bahrain and the UAE. There's reports in the Israeli media this week that strategic uh, islands uh, in the Red Sea that the UAE took over from Yemen several years ago, that attacks will be launched there against Western uh, forces, that they're planning all sorts of things. If any of that happens, and particularly if they do attack The United States, and we talked about the mock exercises they had several weeks ago where they destroyed a mock U.S. aircraft carrier, this sort of thing. If anything like that happens, the whole region, of course, will be shaken up greatly. And Egypt and uh, Jordan are definitely not on Iran's side. They definitely are with the West in that battle. So that may be the determining factor as to what goes forward here. Does Iran carry out the threats it's now making to to overturn this treaty?
0: You know, David, you mentioned the fact that uh, we were listening very closely to the speeches from the two foreign ministers from the Arab nations, and of course then from Prime Minister Netanyahu. And I recognize the Prime Minister again mentioned a portion of Scripture. He quoted the Psalms. He always does that. I love it when he goes to the Word of God in his comments to the rest of the world. Well, meanwhile, back last Sunday, uh, that was September the 13th, the anniversary, as you mentioned, of the Oslo Accords, which are basically dead in the waters. As far as I can see, I agree with you. However, Mahmoud Abbas, president of the Palestinian Authority, said it was a black day for the Palestinians, and they are warning of a third intifada, which could be an all-out war against the Jewish state of Israel. Your comments.
3: Uh, bluster uh, is all I can say, Jimmy, because the P.A. and Hamas and Islamic Jihad all called for major uh, demonstrations on t- last Tuesday when the peace accords were signed between the UAE and uh, Bahrain and Israel, and uh, instead just a few hundred people came out in Ramallah, in Bethlehem, in the Gaza Strip, uh, mostly young people, mostly uh, young males to shout a few slogans and do a few things, and then they went home. So, uh, the, of course, the most action we saw was uh, uh, over 12 rockets being fired into uh, southern Israel, Ashkelon and Ashdod ports, and uh, the Iron Dome intercepted eight of those. Uh, but there was some damage. There was one Israeli seriously wounded uh, in uh, one of those attacks. Uh, some buildings were destroyed. So that was the official reaction, but the people... Uh, they didn't get that riled up. I think, again, UAE, big deal. Bahrain, long ways away, big deal. It, it doesn't uh, negatively affect their lives. It doesn't uh, uh, harm them at all. And I don't think that the PA leadership, as much as it may try, is going to be able to stir up another uprising. Now, had Israel annexed 30% of Judea and Samaria, as we were all expecting, uh, before now even, then I think we would have seen major uh, street unrest. We would have seen a huge upturn in terrorism. None of that so far has happened after this, these accords have been signed, and uh, we can only pray that will remain the case and that the rocket fire will uh, be ceased.
0: We are actually doing this radio broadcast on Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year. And it was announced in Israel the new population numbers: 9.2 million living in Israel. Around seven million of those would be Jewish. Two million around that area would be Palestinians, Arabs, Muslim people. That's an interesting number or two there, uh, which helps us to realize it is a Jewish state from a population perspective. But should uh, indeed there be a relationship between israel and the palestinians they want those outside of israel those palestinians to come back and live that would change those numbers do you think that's a possibility
3: only if the palestinians make peace uh, with israel a true peace not one that uh, they break right away like happened uh, in the 1990s only then jimmy would uh, israel allow such a thing and israel still controls the borders They control who comes in and out. They can obviously shut down the Gaza Strip, because they've done it several times when they need to, including a few weeks ago when we were having all the incendiary devices flowing in and starting fires everywhere. So I don't think the problem is really that. Uh, Jimmy, it's a miracle. When I moved to Israel in 1980, there was 3.3 million people in the country. And now, just 40 years later, it's uh, tripled. That's amazing. And most of that is the growth in the Jewish side. There's been, of course, natural growth on the Arab side, but a good portion of that is due to the huge influx of Russian Jews that came in the 1990s and Jews from Ethiopia and Jews from France and the United States. And as we've discussed, the applications for these, this uh, Aliyah to um, grow uh, significantly in the next coming years Uh, Is there. It shows that the interest is there. Of course, for the moment, it's not that possible because of the coronavirus uh, upsurge in Israel, but it shows that the interest is still there, and Israel will continue to grow and be the center for the first time again in 2,000 years of Jewish life on Earth.
0: Great statement there, David. We're reporting the news, but as you said, it is a miracle, and we're watching the partial fulfillment of Bible prophecy unfolding before our very eyes. Well, David, thank you so very much for this insight you give us always on your Middle East News Update. Appreciate it. We'll have another conversation next week.
3: Glad to do it, Jimmy. God bless.
0: We're going to take a break when we come back. Winky Madad standing by at the broadcast table. We're going to talk about a potpourri of items with Winky, including the peace agreements. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. <music>
2: Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com.
0: Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here, and we are in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We've set up our temporary studios here because we're going to be on tonight at the VCY Radio Rally it's going to be held at the Brookside Baptist Church. That rally will begin at 6 p.m. Hope you can come and join us. If you need more information, go to vcyamerica.org. That's the website for Vcy America. You'll get all the details you need. I believe the doors open at 5 o'clock. Come and let's study the prophetic word of God with us together understanding how these events in our world today are filling in the information we need to understand how close the fulfillment of these prophecies may be. After we finish up on Saturday evening, we head towards South Dakota. Again, you can go to my website, prophecytoday.com, to get information on the churches, two of them up in South Dakota. Well, we're going to go right now to Winky Madad. He's in a place called Shiloh, center part of the state. Judea and Samaria is actually the name of the geographical location where Winky is found. And we're going to bring several topics to the table to discuss with Winky Madad. Winky, an historic time at the White House this last Tuesday, unbelievable the peace treaty signing between Israel the Jewish state and two Arab nations the UAE and Bahrain a very historic event exciting as far as we American Christians are concerned how was it received there in Israel
4: well even with the corona virus that we have here a lot of people were glued to the television sets here in Israel at our time to watch what happened on the White House lawn. You must realize here that if there has been any aspiration for peace, it is usually here in Israel based on the fact that we can't figure out why our Arab neighbors would want to make war for so long. Don't they realize cooperation will gain them much more in terms of their education, hygienics, culture, industry, agriculture? Why do we have to fight? And here we have two states. True, they haven't been on the front lines in wars against us, but they have been in previous years together with the Arab League. They've been boycotting Israel. And here we have an opportunity to show the rest of the world and the Arab world and those who insist upon calling themselves Palestinians that we can get along. That everybody can benefit from peaceful relations, diplomatic relations, economic investments, and scientific advantages, and the so called core issues become less important, and that's very important.
0: Yes, indeed, it is very important. And we can think back 26 years because uh, the peace treaty with the UAE, the first one since the peace treaty, There between Israel and Jordan, signed over in the Arava, lower part of the Jordan Valley in Israel. And then, of course, in 1979, uh, the peace treaty with Egypt. They seem to be fading into the woodwork, and indeed some in Jordan would like to negate that peace treaty. Do you think these two peace treaties signed this last week will kind of revive their interest in having peace with the Jewish state of Israel?
4: Look, Jimmy, everybody knows that Israel is a strong economic and military power. And it has a very good friend called the United States of America. And this administration of Donald Trump and the input by the Christian Zionist community in the States has overcome the disadvantages that Israel has faced over the years. When we have been right and when we have been just, that has not been recognized in years past or in decades past. And now we have someone on our side that would make it very difficult, both for Jordan and Egypt, to undo these past decades, as you said, 26 years and 41 years. These are the situations in which proper international relations, they're not being forced, but they realize that the benefits outweigh any sort of renegade stance that they would take. And that has to be impressed on the rest of the Arab nations, because with modernization, with Internet, entertainment, movies, all societies are moving towards a better understanding of global interests in which each national group can make a contribution rather than being challenged. And Israel is out there to lead, and the United States is behind us. And Jordan and Egypt realize that. We hope that close Arab states, like at least Lebanon, might move along, but they're stuck behind Hezbollah, and we still have a danger ahead. Hopefully, the peoples of the Arab world will realize that what Israel has done now on signing his arrangements is better for them than anything their own governments can provide them.
0: President Donald Trump has mentioned that there are probably four or five additional Arab nations that will quickly get on board the peace train and come and sign peace agreements or develop a normalization or relationship with the Jewish state. What are your thoughts? Do you think there are some more Arab nations? and you have any ideas who they may be?
4: I really do not, but I'm going to guess that they're not front-line states. Uh, after so many years of of, of strife, Arab countries farther away from us and the center of the so-called conflict were probably asking themselves, why should I keep on getting involved in in, in their problem with Yasser Arafat earlier and now Mahmoud Abbas simply refuse to do anything, not even to negotiate, and stand on all sorts of principles that everybody knows cannot be accepted. So I guess... From the outside in, things are collapsing on the Palestinian national authority, and they're going to be losing more sympathy, uh, more support as time goes by. And if these recent accords, signed this previous week, really prove themselves positive and encouraging, that process, of course, will
0: speed up. The Jewish Holy Days are underway, the Fall Jewish Feast, Feast of Rosh Hashanah, the new year, uh, 5781, and, of course, on that same day, the Feast of Trumpets, then 10 days later, you have the Feast of Yom Kippur, and finally, five days after that, the Feast of Tabernacles, but Israel has been locked down. The Israeli government decided to lock down for the next three weeks the entire state. Is that going to cause a problem for the Jews and their worship of these Jewish holy days?
4: Well, Jimmy. First of all, not, it's not only really a question of worship. We are a community, our ethnic, religious community, and and family, and getting together uh, at all sorts of events is a very important identifying uh, matter for us. So that, of course, will be hurt. I will not see my grandchildren for three weeks. They will not see their grandparents. Will again, like during the Passover, will be alone at our festive table, we'll do the best we can. There are other problems, such as spending long hours in synagogue, which will probably have to be cut shorter in order to uh, prevent any sort of infectious activity going on there for too long in a closed space. And as you know, and we've discussed before, during the Festival of the Tabernacles, we have the, the palm frond and the citron fruit, and all these things are very difficult to get if we're going to be stuck at home, and so things will have to be brought to us. I've placed an order, and I told them, pick it out for me and, and just let me tell me when I can buy so, uh, there So all sorts of uh, arrangements being made, it will definitely, how can I put it, dampen the festive spirits, but we'll get through it, and hopefully uh, everything will be better next
0: year. I heard a or read actually a comment from a rabbi who said the lockdown he thought was a positive move because it would cause the Jewish people to actually have to be still and think. In other words, the religious Jews will be already focused in on the Jewish feast days, but the secular community in Israel may not. B. That's a pretty interesting thought. In fact, he even compared it to the high priest who had to go into quarantine before he entered the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur. What are your thoughts?
4: Well, yes, that's a good image. And of course, we're always hopeful that the secular side of our society will become more appreciative of spiritual and religious values and ritual, and not see them as something Uh, to be rejected or, as not modern, uh, to borrow a phrase, not to be seen in polite society, but realize that people who act with observance, with commitment, with thinking about community and thinking about we're not alone on this earth or we have a divine presence with us, will make everybody better. Even if I'm talking about ethical values at work or in commerce or other things like that, and uh, we always have hope. That our example, if it's done in moderation and with rational thinking and explanation, more and more people, and not only Jews, will come to appreciate what God should be in their lives and to act with a commitment to man and to God, and that will make humankind so
0: much more better. That's the voice of Winky Medad, our broadcast partner, dear friend, Orthodox Jew who is in the midst of these three fall feasts. And therefore, Winky, let me say Chak Sameach to you and Shona Tava.
4: Shona Tava, a good, very good New Year, and everybody should be healthy.
0: We'll talk to you again real soon, Winky. God bless.
4: Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you for having me on. Goodbye to you and our listeners.
0: Very important conversation with Winky Madad touching base with several subjects, talking, of course, about the attitude from an Israeli Jewish person as they were able to observe what happened at the White House earlier this week with the peace treaty signings. Very important conversation with Winky today. Well, there's another conversation always key to our understanding of how Bible prophecy is being set in place When we go to John Rood, John covers the European Union for us, and he has an essential conversation with me on a weekly basis. John, thank you for joining us. Let me get underway. There's an opinion piece in the European Union press that says the EU actually needs to admit that President Trump has it right on these Middle East peace agreements.
5: The European Union, you know, has taken such a strong, continual stance uh, against Israel. So they're diplomats. They need to uh, reevaluate what's happening. That the Trump peace plan, although uh, not blankedly received by all of the nations, it's having uh, positive effects of some note. We discussed last week, Serbia and Kosovo have agreed to uh, move their embassies to Jerusalem. And incidentally, the EU came back and threatened Serbia and Kosovo, saying that this will imperil your uh, chances of joining the European Union. But the reason they're against it is because that move is supposed to imperil the uh, peace process in the Middle East. So that's sort of a a strange reaction there. The United Arab Emirates and Bahrain, now they have made a peace deal and will resume diplomatic relations with Israel. And all this is through the Trump initiative. So EU is becoming outdated, and uh, they'll need to revise and get up to the times.
0: In fact, speaking of the activities of the European Union, we have to think about the European disarray, which is actually pushing Iran and Turkey into the arms of China over there in the China camp.
5: Europe has had a stance towards Turkey, which was not supportable. Turkey, since 1987, has been uh, hoping for EU membership. It's always been put off all types of requirements. First, it was a reaction to the death penalty, and then it was to agree with the Copenhagen Accords, et cetera, et cetera. So it should not be surprising that the Turkish leader, President Erdogan, doesn't really have a choice because he knows that he, they've been shunned from the European Union, and that this has been done now for some years. It's a complete about-face, and they're looking for other alliances. You have Iran is actually negotiating right now a 25-year bilateral deal with China, and so they're having difficulties with the European Union. The European Union doesn't want to antagonize the United States, and so they're seen as in action with these other countries. So Iran and Turkey are taking their center of uh, of gravity and moving it east, which uh, is predictable under these circumstances.
0: Meanwhile, NATO, that's the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which actually is acting as the military operation for the European Union. They're much concerned about a war between Greece and Turkey fact, NATO was saying this would be a nightmare as far as we're concerned. What are your thoughts, John?
5: It sounds like something that would be incomprehensible, but it's already happened. Uh, both Turkey and Greece, they joined NATO in 1952, and yet Turkey invaded Cyprus in 1974 until this day uh, that's considered uh, occupied northern Cyprus. And the United States came back and in, in backed that side of Cyprus at that time in the 70s. And the United States perceives Turkey as being a much more uh, important ally than Greece. But what, what happens in this uh, situation now? The big thing with NATO is Article 5. If there's one attack against one member, then the entire alliance of nearly 30 countries will consider it's an attack on all of them. But now... It's coming close to a shooting war or even uh, each week comes to mind. There could be some spark or accident that just sets up a military confrontation between Greece and Turkey. So it's extremely volatile. Uh, yes, it's a nightmare because for the United States because they're at the head of NATO.
0: John, it's interesting to note that the European Union foreign affairs chief is making the statement that Europe is facing today threats from three different emerging empires. Boy, that sounds prophetic. Give me some insight.
5: Absolutely. Every time a European Union leader comes off and says some uh, reference or quotation of empire, of course, we really perk up. And so uh, Joseph Borrell, the the high representative for security, defense policy, etc., foreign affairs chief, you could call him. Very, very powerful He came out and said, really, that there's three re-emerging empires that Europe is facing threats—Russia, China, and Turkey. Very interesting that there's a recognition of re-emerging empires, because the entire prophetic scenario that we have in the Book of Daniel and Revelation is a revived Roman Empire. the Roman Empire went into a dormant form during the the Middle Ages, actually— When the Roman Empire disintegrated, so to speak, there was always a remnant. And then with Charlemagne, we have the beginning of the Holy Roman Empire that went for a thousand years. And now we have this revived Roman Empire as well. I would imagine he's conscious of that as well.
0: And that's why we have John Root on this broadcast with us, because John and I both believe the EU, European Union, infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire key player in Bible prophecy. Great report, John. Thank you so very much. We'll talk again next week. Thank you. Very important conversation with John Rood. His report on the European Union, helping us to understand how the EU is the infrastructure for the revival of the Roman Empire, major player in the end times, according to Daniel chapter 7. Well, right now we're going to go to my dear friend, Dr. Don DeYoung. He's our namesake. I don't think we're any way related, but uh, we are related, of course, in Jesus Christ, brothers in the Lord. I want to have Don answer a potpourri of questions that have come up this week. And by the way, let me just remind you that Don has an excellent book. It's entitled Astronomy and the Bible. About a hundred questions that he answers in this book. I have it right beside my bed on my side table, uh, which is very important for me because when I have a question, I go directly to the book to get the answers. Well, we're going directly now to Dr. Don D. Young to get some answers on a couple of issues. Don, so glad to have you along. And the news this week was reporting that they have discovered some gases in Venus, on Venus, or above Venus. I'm not sure. Uh, They say this could mean that there's life on Venus. What are your thoughts? Well, Jimmy, yes, uh, Venus, our nearest planet. And that news almost uh,
6: is a bit humorous. We have found out that Venus is a very hostile planet, temperature of 900 degrees year-round, an acid atmosphere, and now they've uh, found a bit of a phosgene gas in the atmosphere, which is also poisonous, and yet there's hope, hopefulness that there could somehow be life on Venus. You know, there's this desperation that if life begins spontaneously, it should show up here and there. So that's the latest thought, perhaps on Venus, but of course, as we're finding uh, no life in space while it's uh, so abundant across the earth
0: yes and it seems like the scientific community keeps wanting to find life on some of those planets out there Uh, they're really hoping that that will be the case on mars when they're able to uh, get that spacecraft out to that particular location well according to the bible could there be life on any other planet don Well, certainly not the second-guess
6: God, and there are plenty of uh, secrets and interesting phenomena in space. But you know, Jimmy, I think Scripture is clear, back over in Psalm 115, verse 16, says that God gave the earth to man, but the heavens are the Lord's. The heavens don't belong to aliens or any kind of evolved life. That's his realm, certainly spirit world can be cosmos-wide, but as far as created life, it's becoming uh, very clear through this whole space age, not a shred of evidence anywhere else of life, whereas uh, God blessed this planet with life from pole to pole.
0: You know, we could definitely save the scientific community a lot of money if they'd simply go to the passage of Scripture that you have just suggested. Well, I said a potpourri, so let's get another issue here. I want to bring it on the table for you to discuss with me. Uh, Recently, the California governor said that the catastrophic forest fires there in California, also extending, by the way, into Oregon and even into Washington state, are a result of global warming. Now, is that true science or is he just making this up? Well, Jimmy,
6: the far western area is just um, so suitable to these runaway fires a dry climate, and then you have wind and lightning and heat waves, plus an overgrown forest with lots of vegetation. Now, we're not sure about the climate. It does appear that uh, the temperature is uh, moving upward a little bit. But the bottom line is the climate on planet Earth is always changing. It's always making adjustments. There have been warmer periods in the past. There have been cooler periods. So we might be in a slowly uh, warming uh, trend, and uh, humanity might have something to do with it with our large population, but it's really not the end of the world, and it's just a further adjustment. The climate is in God's hand, and it is always uh, moving upward or, or downward.
0: Well, indeed, I believe you've just answered with my thinking that uh, the people are propagating Uh, This thing of global warming or global change, uh, they are simply not discussing true science in this. So, in fact, I think that confirms to what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, by him, by Jesus Christ, were all things created. I love the next verse, which in verse 17 says that by him, everything, by Jesus Christ, everything is held together That's a pretty big problem as far as the scientists are concerned with global warming, is it not?
6: Well, it certainly is. You know, the weather, the climate, very complicated, many factors, and that's why all of our computer models just fall short. They don't work from very far ahead. And uh, we're doing the best we can with weather prediction and such, but climate will continue to adjust itself. My goodness, back in uh, Noah's time, following the flood, there was global ice age. So uh, it is certainly in God's hand. Not that we want to ignore the environment. We need to be stewards of the place. But it's not that this idea of the dire end of the world that we are causing, God has other plans.
0: Don, a couple of weeks back, you and I were talking about the asteroids that were going to come, as we say, pretty close to the Earth itself. But uh, we know that they were thousands and thousands of miles away. They did not really present any harm to the Earth itself at that time. But you and I discussed the election asteroid that's still on its way coming up the day before the election in November. Is that still on the way? And could it be dangerous to the Earth in any way, shape, or form?
6: Well, that particular uh, asteroid has been detected and is being watched. Actually, it won't come anywhere as, even as close as our moon, our nearest neighbor. So it, can, it it will be in deep space. There are a lot of these space objects. Most of them uh, bounce off our upper atmosphere. Uh, most of the others burn up completely. Once in a while, a smaller asteroid will hit the Earth and become a meteorite, and that, that makes an explosion in a, in a crater, but certainly nothing that will destroy the Earth and these things are just part of history it appears that god seeded the beginning solar system with a lot of these objects whether they're leftover or just what and we keep an eye on them they're interesting most of them become shooting stars and just become a you know a momentary flash in the sky so uh publicity of going along with election day but it's just one of many asteroids or meteors that come and go
0: could be a light show coming before The elections here on this earth. Well, there's going to be a lot of light shows or crazy lights unfolding in the entire election world come election day as well, as we have been hearing from the two different candidates who are running for president. Don, it's always a joy for me to have a conversation with you. I know that the people eavesdropping on this conversation are absolutely thrilled when they can hear. From your perspective as a scientist, an astronomer, and also a student of the Word of God, a born-again believer, you bring us the great answers that we love to hear. By the way, don't forget you can get a copy of Don's book. It's a great read. It's entitled Astronomy and the Bible, 100 Questions Don Will Answer For You. You can find that at my prophecy bookstore, prophecytoday.com astronomy, and the Bible. Don, thank you so much. Thank you for the privilege of being able to interact with you. We'll talk again real soon.
6: Thank you, Jimmy. Blessings on you.
0: Always a very interesting conversation when I have the opportunity to talk with Dr. Don DeYoung. Well, we're going to take a break right now. The news is upcoming. And then in the last half hour, David James and I will have a discussion about QAnon. That's very important. You need to stay tuned for that all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central. Not in Chattanooga, but as I said earlier, we're here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Actually, tonight... At five o'clock, the doors open. Six o'clock, the rally begins. It's a VCY rally. VCY America is a radio network that carries my five minute daily broadcast all across their network of about 150 stations. We're so thrilled, love to have you come study the prophetic word of God with us. It's going to be held. Not at the convention center because of coronavirus restrictions, but at the Brookside Baptist Church here in the Milwaukee area. I want you to also be sure that you respond to my poll question, if you will, today. After the broadcast, go to my website, prophecytoday.com. On the home page, you'll find the question that I want you to respond to on the left hand column as you scroll down. Here's the question. Do you believe that the peace treaty signings at the White House this week actually set the stage for the fulfillment of Daniel nine twenty seven, where the appearance of Antichrist will take place and this satanically energized world leader will confirm these treaties, not sign them, but confirm the treaties that have fallen apart sometime in the future? Now, that's the poll question. Hope you'll respond to it. Thank you so very much. Do that at my website, prophecytoday.com. We now bring to these microphones David James. David and I have a weekly conversation focusing on an issue that is confronting the body of Christ, and we want to take a biblical perspective of the issue that will help each and every one of us in our daily walk with the Lord. By the way, this week, my dear friend, we are tackling a topic that may be one of our most controversial discussions so far, and that's the QAnon conspiracy and the surrounding controversy. David, please, let's begin the discussion. Yeah, well,
5: it's good to be with you, Jimmy, and uh, I am interested to see what listener reaction will be to our discussion today, and as always, we're glad to hear from them whether they agree or disagree with what we have to say. You know, I've been aware of the QAnon conspiracy for quite some time now, but until we decided to discuss it on air, I hadn't really done the deep dive to research it and understand it to any degree. So over the last few weeks, I've read articles and watched hours of videos and read a book written by one of the influencers in the movement. And I also want to give a shout-out to some of my Facebook friends who saved me some time by connecting me with some very helpful information. A couple of weeks ago, I had posted on my Facebook timeline that I would be doing this discussion with you, and it was literally flooded with responses almost immediately with people giving me links to articles and videos.
0: You know, David, I would have to agree with you that... uh, Really, I'm glad we're having this discussion. I had heard the term, had no idea really what it was, but I knew when you would go into research, do a deep dive on it, you could teach me as well as those listening in to our conversation. So let's get started by first getting into the basics of what the term QAnon actually means and how the movement got started and the general idea behind it.
5: Well, let me get started with the question about what QAnon is in general. The New York Times put it this way. QAnon is the umbrella term for a sprawling set of Internet conspiracy theories that allege falsely that the world is run by a cabal of Satan worshiping pedophiles who are plotting against Mr. Trump while operating a global child sex trafficking ring. Now, I just need to insert here the statement in the article that this is false is precisely what the controversy is about, because advocates believe this conspiracy theory, and skeptics don't, obviously. So it goes beyond reporting into making a judgment call, and I've seen this a number of times. Then the article goes on On to say, QAnon followers believe that this click includes top Democrats, including Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and George Soros, as well as a number of entertainers and Hollywood celebrities like Oprah Winfrey, Tom Hanks, Ellen DeGeneres, and religious figures, including Pope Francis and the Dalai Lama. So, in October 2017, an anonymous user put a series of posts on the mostly anonymous message board 4chan, and the user signed off. Uh, as Q and claim to have a high level of security approval known as Q-clearance. Uh, and these messages uh, have continued and are known as Q-drops or breadcrumbs, and he uses cryptic language that includes slogans and pledges and pro-Trump themes and references to the deep state that's out to destroy the president. Now, the Anon in QAnon stands for anonymous, and so Q's followers are called Anons, And a catchphrase that people can watch out for is WWG1WGA, which stands for Where Go One, We Go All. And it means Q followers are in this together.
0: Okay, David. Now, you mentioned Q, the person that actually began all of this. Uh, Do you have any more information about this person? and why people are listening to him and how he did gain a following in such a short amount of time.
5: Well, this person identified himself as Q. Clarence Patriot, with a cue apparently referring to a Department of Energy security clearance that's needed to access top-secret information on nuclear weapons and materials. And he started a thread on October 28th of 2017 titled, The Calm Before the Storm, apparently referring to a meeting of military leaders of President Trump, had said was the, quote-unquote, calm before the storm. Now, the storm refers to what QAnon adherents believe is the upcoming arrest, imprisonment, and even execution of thousands of suspects, including those in government who were part of the deep state. August 2018, Washington Post article referred to Q as a renegade informant who might not even and goes on to say this, from somewhere in the vast and mysterious deep state, a dissident agent rises up to give the people cryptic clues about how their heroic president will push back the forces of evil and make America great again. And later the article notes that whether Q is an individual, a group, a spoof, or politicians misleading people, the QAnon phenomenon fits into centuries of conspiracy theories that try to explain how to fight against the Possible world collapse. Some have suggested that Q is actually President Trump. That's one of the more far-out theories, or even beyond that, JFK Jr., who they believe faked his death and will come back on the scene. And uh, this all plays into the distrust of politicians and big government and the rich and powerful Jimmy. And given things like the impeachment of President Trump, Jeffrey Epstein's death, the COVID-19 crisis, the riots, and other things, QAnon has gained traction even with believers, unfortunately.
0: Wow. What a very interesting development. Okay, David, let's get into some of the QAnon theories. Many have been around for quite a time, and some are even much, much newer, or at least they've been updated.
5: Right. Well, Anons would say this is all heading toward a climax that includes the storm that I just mentioned and something else called the Great Awakening. On Thursday, the New York Times posted an article titled, The Evangelicals Who Are Taking on QAnon, uh, with the subtitle, Some Leaders Are Trying to Save Their Flocks from the Lure of the Online Conspiracy Theory, and that writer observed that one thing we can say about Q is that he, she, or they are highly unoriginal, mining conspiracy theories as ancient as the anti-Semitic blood libel. And she goes on to say, if you've been around the corners of evangelical America as I have, it's apparent that Q is at least a student of, and perhaps an adherent of, the conspiracies that have long permeated conservative evangelical culture. So Jimmy, Q's first post wrongly predicted Hillary Clinton's imminent arrest. He's claimed that Kim Jong-un of North Korea is a CIA puppet, and that former DNC chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz hired a hitman to kill Seth Rich. Now, of course, Seth Rich's death was very suspicious. The Anons also claim that mass shootings have been false flag attacks uh, planned by the international cabal. QAnon adherents believe that Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, George Soros, and others are plotting a and that they are also members of a child trafficking ring which has been exposed by something called Pizzagate which our listeners may have heard of. Uh, Another theme is pedophiles in Hollywood and that the Rothschild family lead the satanic cult and it's because of this and other issues involving Jews like the Bilderberg group which is a problem that some see QAnon as anti-Semitic. So QAnon is sweeping and massive and comprehensive and it tries to tie everything together.
0: Wow, David, I did not understand and realize that uh, QAnon was uh, this expansive in its thinking and its outreach. David, I believe that there are many questions about some of these things, and while they may have some merit, one concern that I have, and I'm sure you would as well, is that some are trying to tie this stuff to the fulfillment of biblical prophecy.
5: Well, Jimmy, one of the reasons it's dangerous is because there's just enough truth to pull people in, then they accept the errors, too. Uh, also, QAnon uh, proponents have usually done a lot of research, and the average person is neither equipped nor inclined to fact-check all the details, and there's such a wow factor that many just cl- take the claims at face value, and it's sort of like what happened with the Harbinger back in 2012. Many were sucked in, but when I did my own research, I found that Jonathan Kahn had mishandled the Word of God, misrepresented historical facts, and manipulated statistical data. And, and this happens with QAnon, and one of the most dangerous things I've read is the book QAnon and 1,000 Years of Peace. And that author believes that President Trump is part of QAnon's Great Awakening, as do many Anons, and she talks about her Freedom Force Battalion and a Q Army that's going to destroy all global evil in order to establish Christ's kingdom. Uh, she doesn't believe in the rapture, and she allegorizes literally every single detail in the book of Revelation. You just can't believe what she does. And she represents a growing faction. Unfortunately, she represents a growing faction that interprets the Bible through the lens of QAnon conspiracy theories, and many are also mixing biblical ideas with New Age and occultic ideas. And cult watchers are keeping their eyes on QAnon because some are becoming quite militant In these cultic beliefs. And unfortunately, otherwise discerning believers are getting caught up in it.
0: Yeah, they're getting caught up in it. And I would have to say, even before we conclude our conversation, that this is because of a lack of knowledge of the Word of God and, in particular, the prophetic word of God. And by the way, on that last point you just made, David, why are so many believers, do you believe, getting caught, and I think I've probably stated it, caught up in this and other conspiracy theories? But here's something I didn't mention. What advice do you have for approaching these things?
5: Well, I think the one reason some believers get caught up in the conspiracy theories is that some things are just difficult to explain, and because of biblical prophecy, we know this is all going somewhere with the conflict between good and evil, and of course the Lord is going to win. And we don't like living with uncertainty, so if someone has a theory that seems to provide explanations or maybe just raises questions, then some latch onto those, even to the point of ignoring obvious problems. A recent Christianity Today article said this. A conspiracy theory is generally just a grand explanation that is essentially trying to identify various pieces that don't look like they fit together, but they do, and this is all done to explain some phenomenon that we're experiencing. So there are things going on in our world that are hard to explain, uh, but two things help me stay balanced. One is to stay away from too much speculation when it comes to the Bible. We don't interpret the Bible in light of current events. The Bible is our authority. And the other thing is the so what question. And what I mean by that is even if a given conspiracy theory were true, what difference would it make in my day-to-day life? Uh, Would it or should it change my life in ministry? And in most cases, it wouldn't change anything. So we need to trust the Lord uh, for how this is all going to work out and stay faithful in the meantime.
0: Stay faithful in the meantime, not only to the Lord, but to his word, which tells us what indeed will happen in the future. David, great job of research. You taught me so very much. I'm sure you learned along the way as well, but let me give you a warning, buddy. You better get ready for some emails. I'm sure they're going to be coming in. Thank you so much, David, for the job. Appreciate it. We'll have another conversation. I don't think it could be as controversial as this time, but we'll do another issue next week.
5: Thanks, Jimmy. I'll look forward to it.
0: We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'll open up the Bible. We're going to take a look at the book and put all together every single conversation and the reports from our broadcast partners. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the
5: Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services and the courses for weekend conferences of six to ten hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI
2: website. I look forward to hearing from you. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible Prophecy Student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general, and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents, to set the stage for Bible Prophecy to be Fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore, or you can go directly to
0: prophecybookstore.com. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. Today on Prophecy Today weekend, my broadcast partners had outstanding reports on historic events happening which are actually setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. My broadcast partners gave us details behind these news headlines that the mainstream media has no understanding of. This program and these reports are essential for you and me to have a better understanding of what God is doing in our world today. If you had to miss any of the reports, please go to my website, prophecytoday.com, then go to PTRN where you can find these reports and re-listen to them, or for the first time listen to what these reports reveal. And I want you to do me a favor, if you will. I want you to tell a friend or a family member about these reports. Everybody needs to hear what my broadcast partners had to say. However, right now, I want to give you my prophetic perspective on these reports. Ken Timmerman gave us the details on geopolitical activities. And, of course, the focus this week on the White House, the Abraham Accords, and I asked Ken about the fact that were they not a game changer in the Middle East? My perspective is that these two peace treaties, the first in some 26 years, now allowing four Arab nations to recognize Israel and sign a peace agreement. But let me tell you what will happen in the not-too-distant future. These treaties will actually fall apart. I know that because I read the last chapter. The Antichrist will come on the scene, Daniel chapter 9 in verse 27, and with these broken peace treaties, he will confirm them, and the world will think that the Messiah has appeared. However, it is a false messiah. We talked with David Dolan. He gave us his Middle East News update. You know, the Palestinians are totally opposed to these peace accords, and they are calling for a third Antifada. An Antifada is an all-out war with the Jewish nation of Israel. The Palestinians should have been first to sign a true peace agreement. However, they never miss a chance to miss a chance. The Palestinians will not be destroyed with the rest of the Islamic world after the alignment of nations. Ezekiel thirty-eight eighteen through 39, 6 says that the Islamic world will be destroyed, but then you have to go to Obadiah, verses 15 to 18, which reveals to us the Palestinians make it through the tribulation period and only are destroyed forever when the Messiah comes back. Winky Madad. he is the man that we go to when we're talking about Jewish activities. And of course, the Jewish people started on Friday evening the observance of the three-fall Jewish feast. But at the same time, Israel was under a lockdown. Now, these are special days for the Jewish people. Rosh Hashanah today is 5781. This also is the day of the Feast of Trumpets and a Celebration because Rosh Hashanah believes that 5,781 years ago, this world was created, and therefore the big celebration, they did that, they blew the shofars at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, which is the location where creation did take place, the original site of the Garden of Eden. John Rood had his European Union update. He talked about the European Union the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire, and he said that the European Union had better understand Donald Trump was right on these Middle East peace agreements, especially when you think of the fact that the Antichrist comes out of the revived Roman Empire, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 8, and then will confirm the peace treaties, Daniel 9, 27 had a great conversation with Don DeYoung. He was talking about the new scientific discoveries on Venus, believing that there's a possibility there's life on Venus. Well, the book of Isaiah, chapter 45, verse 18, says that the Lord created the heavens and the earth, and he inhabited the earth with people. In fact, the earth is the location where God sent Jesus to develop a group of worshipers who would worship them through the salvation that Jesus Christ would give them. And then David James and I had a discussion on QAnon, which uh, I'm telling you it was very complicated. Even listening to David, who explained it very well, did great research. I would suggest you might want to listen to what we had to say about that issue. Again, you can do that by going to my website, prophecytoday.com. Go there and hear what David had to say. Just one final comment. Make sure you study Bible prophecy. That's an absolute, not these conspiracy theories. You know, you put all of these conversations together with my broadcast partners, and you basically can only come up with one thing, and that is that we are living in the times that the ancient Jewish prophets wrote about in the prophecies that God gave them, you can find them in the Word of God. We endeavor each and every week to look at current events. In fact, that's the banner over my website, looking at current events in light of biblical prophecy. And we do that. It's the Word of God. It's the absolute. It is not some kind of controversial conspiracy that we're talking about. We're talking about what God has laid out through the ancient Jewish prophets for us to be able to understand in the day in which we are living. Now, having said that, let's back up and think about the reports we got from our broadcast partners. You'll have to realize that God is working in rolling out his prophetic scenario for the last days, and he's doing it at this time in the times in which we are alive. What an amazing time to be alive in our world today. And don't forget, the next event in God's plan is the rapture of the church. That's when Jesus will shout, the archangel will shout, the trumpet of God will sound, and you and I who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will be caught up to meet him in the air. And reflecting upon what our broadcast partners brought to the table today— you would have to recognize we are living in that time when the rapture could happen at any moment, even today. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until. Thank you so
2: much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.